I think I've been lucky that I've always done the work on myself over the years. So I have a sort of a a collection or, you know, a toolkit in place that keeps me positive or when things feel tough, I've got something to go to, to to help me through those difficult times. And definitely my essential oils, my connection with, with the mentoring group and my sort of my love of personal growth, I think sort of certainly helps me keep going in this space. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, I get to interview one of my most beautiful friends, the gorgeous Liz Sefton, who has The Nourishing Home, is a passionate wellness advocate with a strong focus on nourishment for the mind, body, and soul. Liz is on a mission to empower people to create simple and sustainable healthy lifestyle habits that are easily implemented into the family unit. She knows the secrets for success lie in the powers of food and self-care. She's a beautiful wife, a mum of two. She's a chiropractic assistant at Innate Health in Kyabram. She's also a qualified food coach and health and lifestyle educator. And what I love about this podcast is we talk all things self-love, self-care, particularly as she's based in country Victoria and just what a tough time this beautiful state has been going through. So she shares with us her go-tos, the things that she does to make sure she stays positive. And what I particularly love is her passion to learn and expand and her absolute deep love and affection for personal growth. I know you're going to enjoy listening to her story and the driver and behind why she loves to do charitable events, particularly now around mental health, as you'll hear in her story how she was tragically affected with mental health as a a young girl. So you know, make sure as you listen to this that you have a pen and paper ready to listen to her tips and her advice, but also note that she is one beautiful soul inside and out. I'm really excited to share her with you this week, and I would love to hear your comments and feedback on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28, also on my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training, and you can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast cannot wait to hear what you think. Please take care, look after yourself and really do listen to the beautiful Liz Sefton. As you can hear, it is always a pleasure for me to interview people who I love dearly, people who have actually become close friends and this beautiful soul is absolutely no different. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, gorgeous Liz. Thank you, Kim. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you and I have known each other a long time now, and our journey, you know, has been a beautiful one of growth and expansion and development and sharing and and also, you know, putting on events and doing all sorts of things that really do bring communities and people together. Perhaps you could just give our gorgeous listener a brief insight as to who you are, where you're from, all the things that you do so that we can have a beautiful little look into the life of Liz, Liz Sefton. Yes, certainly. Yes, well, I am a um, a wife and a mum of two children, Isabella, who's 13, and John T, who is 10. Um, I work at a chiropractic clinic in um, country Victoria as an um, administration assistant. And, um, oh, gosh, where else? what else do I have to share? Yes, I, I love health and wellness, um, and I've always had an interest in that in that area since um, since leaving school and have been on a journey. And um, basically it wasn't until I went to a wellness summit um, where I was introduced to you, Kim, for the first time that I developed my love of the essential oils again and decided that um, I wanted to go further into my own personal growth and did your health and lifestyle course which um, basically led me to, I've also done a food coaching course in that time, and which also led me to um, follow my passion in um, helping people and um, trying to be an inspiration to people to, to um, look, look further into themselves and into self-care 
and have um, grown in my own personal space because of these oils and because of these courses, which led me to, to run some events for charity um, and in particular in the mental health space um, with a personal experience we, we've had in our family. So, yes, um, I've also had a passion to, to bring more events into regional areas, knowing myself that I always had to go to Melbourne or the or bigger cities to be able to get these sort of events and these amazing guest speakers. So it's been a real um, real honour to try and bring some of these events to, lo- to the local community. You are an amazing soul like that. And one of the things that I've loved most about you is your absolute passion to bring people together. And, you know, you there you are down in Victoria. Maybe you could just give us a little brief insight and tell us honestly, how has this last 18 months, two years been for you in country Victoria? And how do you think it's impacting your beautiful state? Yes, it's been a real struggle for um, Victoria, the the constant lockdowns. Being regional, we've had um, our restrictions have been a little bit more lenient at times, but um, watching our fellow Metro friends has just been heartbreaking. But it, it certainly has been a struggle. Um, initially, I have to say um, it was actually nice to be able to slow down at, initially. Um, it brought the family closer. Um, we were... I guess we were using it um, using it as a positive as much as we can and we started to embrace doing some new things together as a family. But as the time has gone on, um, the, the restrictions in the kids' sport and being able to do um, get together with friends, um, that's certainly been, been a struggle. Um, for me personally, we've been lucky that we've been able to continue working. Um, my husband and I have both sort of been in essential essential service areas so we've still been able to work so there is that bit of normality um but yeah certainly a struggle my, my husband jace he um his work was impacted and so he used to work weekends initially so um and his income was impacted so we found that you know there was you know we had to tighten the belt a bit there but it was nice also that he didn't have to work weekends anymore so um, and he's had a career change. Um, he's gone back to his um, to electrical work in that time. So we've had to pivot and do things differently. I um, I had some events that we had scheduled that we um, we couldn't do. Um, but I've also embraced other ways of learning um, through through these um, online zooms and things like that that are available now. And of course, joining your um, your mentoring group that you have on a Tuesday night that was just perfect timing so that has certainly given me that boost um, to, to still have a bit of positive positivity and connection but yeah it's certainly been horrific in the state and and to late to to date um, with the vaccination um, mandates and the freedoms and um, everything that's going on it has been a real struggle for Victoria yeah, it just seems such a shame and so sad that Victoria, I, I still don't quite understand why Victoria has been so harshly hit, but it's certainly, I think, the hardest thing to watch, and, and you may correct me if I'm wrong, but now starting to notice the segregation between, you know, vax, non-vax, choosing to, not choosing to, and, you know, staying in lockdowns, not lockdowns, and the just seems so sad and I just love your thoughts around do you feel that down there that there is now you know people are so sick and tired of of all of these things that now people aren't even sure of what it is that they're fighting for or fighting against yeah absolutely um and people that um they just feel um like they're put in a corner that they've got no choice anymore um, and just those personal freedoms um, have just been taken away, which is really, really difficult. Um, and like you said earlier, yeah, certainly segregation between people that have got one opinion to people that are, you know, have another opinion. So, which is quite sad because at the end of the day, um, you know, none of us are wrong. We're all just different. And so that's really hard to, to watch. I love what you just said then. We're all different. And I think that's the key to all things and understanding and appreciating that every single one of us has different backgrounds, different health issues, different 
you know, positives and strengths and constraints and all of these things. It must be challenging, you know, not trying to put someone like Dan Andrews on the spot, but I, I don't know if I'd want that job in any of these places. And is there any empathy for him or is it more everyone's getting more and more frustrated with him? I think everyone's getting frustrated. I, I must admit, at the start, I went, oh, who would want his job? And, you know, a bit of um, empathy in the position he was in. But at the moment now, I think everyone's just over it. Um, and especially saying that it, it's um, it, there's division in the states as well. Um, like Australia, we're all divided. That You know, that's, that's the other thing that's been really hard to watch, that, you know, it's state against state rather than us being united as a country. Mm, it's sad, isn't it? And I think we're not the only country enduring it. But, mm-hmm. you know, the amount of things that we all had planned and, for instance, we, we were having an event down there with you in October and just seeing the inability for us to travel, let alone the different mandates coming through that even if we could travel, we may not be able to travel. And I, I just find that. Do you believe in your heart of all hearts with such a beautiful, positive view on life and someone who I look up to who always sees the the outcome with the greatest of intent and goodness? Do you believe that we'll get through this? And is it just a reason and a season? Or do you feel that this is impacting us forever? I certainly hope there is. There will be. It is a reason and a season. Um, I've always had that mentality and hoping that. Um, yeah, we just have to have to. We just have to climb this mountain as it is at the moment, and hopefully, yeah, there will be a downhill soon enough. Yeah, talk to me about then what it's like having you. See, you've got a thirteen and a ten-year-old. I mean, that's a pretty tough age too. Watching, you know, as parents, we have reasonable control of that age group and they're definitely 100% in our care. But this is the age too where they're starting to look at different opinions and different parenting and different teachers and all of these things. How are your children coping through this time? Yes, it's been interesting. Jonty is quite a positive little little soul. Um, he asks questions um, and he he's still remains quite positive in this space. Um, he um he's quite happy um he 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 quite enjoyed the the homeschooling um and enjoys um yeah enjoys being at home with us and um but just missing out on his sport isabella's going into teenage years um so that's been a struggle for her in some ways because it's all about wanting to be with friends um and not understanding um yeah not understanding what's going on she's got her own sort of things that she's going through I guess her own hormonal changes and that type of thing and um you know anything we suggest is never never right (laughs) it's always where we're the parents and it's what her um it's what her friends are doing is, is more important so yeah it has been a bit of a struggle for her especially not being able to go to to school but now, yeah, now we're we're hitting that. Um, we've hit, hit the end of the homeschooling at this stage. Fingers crossed, and they're back getting into routines and back into their sport, which is lovely to see. Yeah, that's the part that we miss most as parents: seeing our kids express themselves in activities or sport or after school activities. And it's must be hard. And as as the mum. You and I both know that if the woman of the house is happy and healthy, life runs pretty smoothly for everyone else. How are you holding the family and Jace and and everyone around you, your extended family? How are you holding it together? And what are some of the things that you're doing to ensure you do stay positive? Yeah, I think I've been lucky that I've always done the work on myself over the years. So I have a sort of a a collection or you know a toolkit in place that keeps me positive or when things feel tough I've got something to go to 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 help me through those difficult times and definitely my essential oils my connection with with the mentoring group and my sort of my love of personal growth I think so that certainly helps me keep going in this space 
Oh, sorry, I just I was talking away to you then and hadn't switched it back on. Um, <laughs> sweetheart, let's talk a little bit about your past and why you are so passionate, particularly around mental health. And if it's okay to go there, you mentioned at the very beginning you were touched by a mental health issue, a, a tragedy, actually. I'm just wondering if, because you are in you know rural Victoria, rural country, is it possible for you to discuss how and what happened in your family and also um, the impact that that's had and what you've noticed on rural Victorians in particular and how you've wanted to play a part in healing this? Yes, yeah, certainly. So I was um, 16 um, when my brother, Frank, um, he um, took his own life. He was 24 we had um, no no signs. We had no idea that he was struggling, and um, unfortunately, yes, he was. He went missing over a, a period of sort of twenty four hours, and we didn't know what had happened. And then um, my dad found him at the at the back of our farm, and it, yes, he'd taken his life, which was a big big shock for all of us. And um, even when I was told that he'd been in a um, He'd been in a shooting accident. I just went, oh, you know, what happened? Who, you know, who did it and whatever. And when I heard that he had he had done that himself, we were totally, totally shocked. Um, so yeah, it was heartbreaking for us at the time. Um, and I, we're talking this is 30 years ago now. So suicide wasn't really discussed at that time. Um, it was, yeah, there's always been that stigma around that around that and mental health so yeah it was a big shock for us all how has that then impacted you to want to work towards something I guess at 16 you didn't realize you'd end up doing what you've done but how did you actually get to the point where you realized through your own experience you could create a platform a safe space do something that may in fact help other young men yeah, it took me a long time to get that to get to that space. And look, and I've always been open about our, what happened within our family. We've never tried to hide hide the fact that um, we were impacted by suicide. But it, it took me a long time to um, I felt I guess vulnerable, and and it took me a long time to get the courage to be, to get to a place where I um, where I said to myself, okay, we've we've done some I've done I had done some charity work for cancer and other other things and I thought it was now time that I um I did some work for something that was close to my heart and I guess I got to the point where all the other things I had done in the past were joining all the dots to get me to that stage where I felt totally comfortable that it was time um to do something in the mental health space and in the local community um and it, it kind of just um it all just fell into place I I had a vision of um of an event where um, you you were our guest speaker. Um, I wanted to choose a charity that was going to work within the community, um, not just a big bucket. So I found a charity called Love Me, Love You. And Warren Davies, who was who was a local um, local farmer in our community who does some work in the mental health space and has his own um, own experiences with mental health I got in touch with him and as it turned out when we were talking he the penny dropped for him and it turned out that he had played footy um, with Frank in the past so um, it, w- it was all meant to be that we were meant to to work together and we we held this amazing event and raised funds and Warren was able to go out into the community to our sporting groups to our schools and be able to talk about um, raising awareness about mental health and giving giving the you know starting at the starting with the kids starting young so that um, they've got the tools that they need um, as as they get older and and when times get tough. That's right, and he's a remarkable soul himself, mm-hmm. Warren. And for the listener, if you're interested, he was show number one hundred and one. Um, and his story is quite remarkable in there as well. And through your experience then of putting on such events and obviously your own personal uh, experience of this, what do you think is the biggest problem for young men in particular? Or is it universal, male and female? 
How have you noticed it? And what is impacting these young folk? What do you think the problem is? I I think it's still that stigma of um, you've got to be tough. For the, for the guys, you've got to be tough. Um, it's 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 weak to talk. It's you know that type of um, that stigma that you, you know you're the um, you've got to be the provider, the carer, um, and that to be vulnerable is a sign of weakness. So um, I think that is certainly something that still needs some work with the men in men in our lives or in our community. Um, but I must admit, it is changing. It's great to see so many other. Um, advocates out there, in particular sportsmen um, that that the men can relate to that have come out and said they've had mental health struggles. Um, So I think it it is getting better, but certainly it's been, um, it's that communication, that connection and and them not seeing the fact that um, they need to see the mind as something they need to get, you know, they need to nurture as well as their bodies. Yeah, just seems to be something that, as you say, the stigma around it has prevented men from speaking up. As the mother of a son, how do you think we can play a part in supporting young men like John T or my Jacob? Mm-hmm. What do you th- do? You think it starts in the home then for these young men, and maybe not blaming previous generations, but it wasn't something that was easily spoken about around mental health wellness. It was that real stiff upper lip, get on with life, as you say, tough it out. Has that changed in your perspective with your own experience? Yeah, I guess I think it's just watching our language too around our kids, so the boys in particular. I, I know that I've found myself sometimes, you, you know, you, you say to John, to you, oh, you know, stop being a sook or, you know, don't cry or whatever that, you know, those sort of things. But I think it's important that we nurture that in, the, in our young boys. Um, I, you know, looking at Frank, my brother, my dad was quite a sensitive soul. He was a hands-on, hands-on dad. For um, you know, a traditional Italian man, he was very soft and gentle with us, and I saw Dad cry all the time. So, um, it you know, looking back now and reflecting, but I think yeah, I think it's our our languaging with the boys, um, giving them permission that it is okay to to talk. And and look, and I see Junty sometimes he'll if he's you know upset, he'll just go into his room and hide under a blanket. And I, I get worried with that because I think, you know, he won't talk. So it's just trying to encourage that 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 it's okay to talk and having that conversation with them um, and hoping that by being the example and watching, you know, watching us that over time that they'll realise that, you know, communication and, and nurturing their mental health is okay. Do you think then when you see your boy do that, I mean, it's also okay to go and have quiet time or to mm. feel sad. Do you think parents are overprotective then of emotions like anger and sadness and fear? I mean, these are all valid and very important emotions. Are we becoming more afraid of them? Are we trying to, you know, avoid them? Do you think it's important that we express them? How does that feel from your point of view? Yeah, I think it is important to express them. Um, and I've noticed even within our within our like our school has taken on the resilience project, and they talk about different zones. If you're in the green, red, yellow, blue zone, and and um, giving kids a little bit of guidance as as to where they're sitting in each zone, um, so that they can help recognise their emotions. Because I guess as young kids, they don't have that emotional intelligence to understand what they're thinking and feeling as well. So. Um, perhaps by giving them different ways um, to express it, it that might um, might help as well. Mm. And I think too, you know, given the fact that it was such a taboo subject, even for our parents' generation, you know, we've done pretty well as a race to get through this and resilience has come through many forms and sometimes it's more harder than others, I get that. But from your perspective now, and watching your husband going through all of the changes for him, and particularly in this day and age, is it because he's of your generation, is he more open to speaking with you now and more available for his children in that male masculine role as well? Yeah, absolutely. He's been he's really um, good in that way. Um, and sometimes I find he's even better at talking to the kids more than what I am 
Um, and I think, yeah, he's certainly um, done some work on himself to be able to to be able to express that better for himself as well. And role modeling, right? You know, yeah, like absolutely. So important for beautiful Isabella to know that there are men out there that do talk. They're caring. They show emotion. They're afraid. They're saying they're angry at times as well, but they're always there. And also important for Jonty to be role modeling or seeing that as a role model. Do you? Th- how much of an impact do you think schools play on all of this? Yeah, um, I think they're trying. I think they are trying to implement more into it. I know our school definitely is, but also in the same token, the kids sometimes. Um, I know they came back, come home and they go, oh, we have to do this boring thing <laughs> as well. So it, I think it's just important in the way that it's engaged that the kids can understand it. But I know Jonty himself will come home and say, oh, we learnt about this, in, um, about, you know, to certain resilience and um, empathy, um, about gratitude. They, they kind of get it. So um, it just depends on what age group they're at and, and how they interpret it. And normalising it, right? Yeah. You yeah, know, absolutely. like for you. Now let's go back to you because what I love about you is your absolute amazing passion to learn and expand and, as you said, your love of personal growth and development. How have you changed over the years and what have you done in order to become more self-aware and resilient? Yes, I think um, I think over the years um, initially it was probably when John, not long after Jonty was born. Um, I was I had a period where I was just feeling a bit yuck, and so I decided to enrol in a twelve week transformation course, just just to start feeling a bit better about myself. And by doing that, and following that, I um, I became a lot more confident within myself. Um, I started to prioritize myself a bit more rather than just the kids, and started to implement a little, you know, a little bit of self-care into my day, which obviously um, made me a better wife and a better mum. And just by doing these small things each over the period of time, I um, started to feel a lot better about myself and became more goal-orientated. I sort of became a bit more passionate about things, um, became became a runner, started to to love to run, um, which, you know, it, you know, it was just small steps. I, I had a little loop that I would do that I would walk and then it soon became, you know, a walk, run, walk, run until eventually I was able to run. And um, basically these little, you know, small steps led to, led to um, having mentors along the way as well. The teachers sort of appeared just as I needed them with my running um, and became more interested in how I was, feeding myself, how I was looking after myself, um, and then looking at the um, the chemicals. It, it, like everything led to small steps to, to, to where I am today. Did you then decide to do a food program? Because one of the biggest things I can honestly say, and I want the listener to know that in the past, pre-COVID, so BC, before COVID, um, <laughs> I, whenever I was travelling and whenever I was in Victoria, my beautiful little fairy, she was an absolute angel fairy, would appear at whatever hotel I was at, knowing what a, I was going to say a foodie I am, but maybe I'm a food snob, but you being one of those two would turn up with these little care packages for me to have in the fridge. How did you get so enthusiastic and so good at cooking and so aware of that? Because for so many people, particularly busy women, busy mums, Cooking is the last thing on their agenda. And, you know, that's why fast food or quick meals or, you know, that that love of being in the kitchen seems to have deteriorated over time. How did you find that passion back into the kitchen? I think it was um, just knowing that food, um, you know, food is medicine, basically. What you put into your body um, can you know improve your energy? Can improve the way you feel about yourself. Um, and I always, you know, growing up too on a farm with mum and dad, they always did things themselves. They always made things from scratch. They, they, um, they were always food was always a big thing in our family. Um, and even though I might have um, 
strayed away from that side of things a little bit during the teenage years and in my early 20s when socialising became more of a priority. Um, my passion for, for food certainly evolved again when I, you know, with my running and um, knowing how it could impact my performance. Um, and like I think I've heard you say a couple of times, it's amazing what, you know, your body will, will do what you tell it to do. So if you feed it great food, it will, it will grow and nourish. And if you feed it crap food, it will, you know, it, you'll feel crap or you'll, um, you'll, you could fall into some having some health issues. So, yeah, so I, I did see the, the value in good food um, and I purchased the Thermomix and I loved the Thermomix and became a, a Thermomix consult, a consultant down the track to hopefully, um, and my passion there was to try and encourage people to, to find themselves in, in the kitchen again and, and cooking from scratch. And the Thermomix is a great tool for doing that. Gosh, as it ever. And whenever we're together, we always, you know, from making mojitos all the way through <laughs> to making incredibly healthy, you know, gluten-free breads right through to sauces. It really is. And really do want to um, shout out to that amazing machine. It certainly changed my life and made me fall in love with being in the kitchen. And the way I convinced my husband, because he thought I'd put a deposit on a car when he saw that money come <laughs> out, of the, out of the bank statement, um, was to make mashed potato and custard. I think I think I won him over with that one, but oh my gosh, what a machine! But you really do um, you, are, you, but you're more than just passionate about food in the kitchen. You have a real knowledge around the impact that different foods have in your body, and also with your children, and obviously your husband. As an Italian, you know, like food is a very big part of socialization, very big part of connection and rapport and all of the things that happen. How have you guys as an Italian family managed through this pandemic time in Victoria? And have you been able to still see each other? Because I also know you lost your dad through this time. How have you guys come together as a family and still been able to be united on that Italian front, if you like, through this? Yeah, we did lose dad um, 12 months ago. and during COVID, and he was in aged care, aged care when he passed away. So um, he made it to ninety, um, which we, we were really wrapped that he got there. And he, and he has been a picture of health right up until that, until he had a fall. Um, and yeah, so we always got together for all special occasions, and it was always about the food. Um, with us, we we all love it, and. Um, during COVID times, it was a struggle for us not to be able to get together. Um, but we 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 have our little um our little chat groups that we have to to keep in touch. Um, we also um, during that time we also sold the family farm, um, which had been um, in the family for over fifty years. So that was that was tough, and obviously we we had to clean all that up in order to sell that. So we were able to get together during that process to do all that. And we found lots of treasures um, that, dad, that dad had left along the way because he was quite the, quite the hoarder. But we grew um, a new appreciation of the food and, and the, you know, the, plant, the fruit trees because we grew up on an orchard. Um, and, yeah, basically how mum and dad had, um, had really made, a, made this not only their their job I guess but it was our family life and and um it was an amazing amazing time to to think reflect back of our time on the farm yeah beautiful one of those treasures you sent through to me talk to us a little bit about that photo at the MCG (laughs) yes that was a crack up we were looking through a big box of photos and I came across this this picture and um, of a, I think I was about, I don't know, six, no, it would have been 14 or I'm not sure what age I was, but I'd been to the MCG and took a, took a camera and there was a picture of, of Danny and I looked at this picture and I think, I think that's Danny and I sent it to you, that Jason zoomed in on it and I said, is this Danny? <laughs> and sent it to you and it turned out, wasn't it, that um, you might have been at that match as well, I think. Yes, yes, it was the 1987 1987- <laughs> 
test match. And, and of course, I only knew this because Danny saw the photo and he mm. has got such a mind for memory and association of places and he recognised the ground and, and knew it was, you know, the 1987 Boxing Day test match. And I can't believe it that you yeah. and I were at the same <laughs> ground you know, all those years ago as complete strangers and there you are with a photograph of Danny. Um, I think he was walking off the park or maybe walking onto the park, but, oh, my gosh, it just kind of blew me away a little bit. You just don't realise how many of us have those moments where paths cross and where you end up again, and I, I just I hear it over and over. Do you have a belief then that life is meant to be? It is what it is, that it is already mapped out, worked out. Do you have a belief that if you stay true to your intent, your goals, your mission and who you are, that you can trust that process? Is that something you do on a spiritual level? Is it something you do from a heart level? How do you manage yourself through getting through all the transitions you've been through? Yeah, I think certainly through a, um, for me, it's through a heart level. Um, and I certainly, I certainly believe there is a bit of a power in the, in manifesting as well. So, um, I, I love some of the work we've done, um, within the mentoring group with you. And, um, also at, I think we did one at a, um, in Mullaney when I did an elevation retreat with you. Um, and I can recall I did a manifestation that it was um, that I was going to go to France, and and lo and behold, it happened. So <laughs> on isn't your it, on your trip, so, isn't that amazing? Yeah. I know. I you know I do often create programs or mentorship things or events all based on what I want to do and where I want to go. And I just had this vision I wanted after going to France in 2017 with beautiful Robbie Zek and Jim Llewellyn from Aroma Tours. I just knew when I was in those lavender fields, I wanted to take a group back in two years time and particularly wanted to take Danny. And then I would trust whoever followed or could come would be there. And there we were, sweetheart, in 2019, standing in the lavender fields, all dressed in white, a group of 20 of us having our photos taken. I got very teary on that in that trip and on that moment because it made me realise that what we put our focus and intention, where our energy goes our, and our focus flows is where we actually can create our future. How did you make that happen then? What did you do? What were the steps that you took to make sure you were on that France trip? Yes, and we were lucky that um, you gave us time to save up for that too. It was two, I think it was two years or close to two years. Yes. Um, and I can recall at that time I, I decided that I was perhaps going to um, stop the Thermomix consulting that I had enough on my plate. But no, I thought, no, this is how I was going to do it. So um, I did the Thermomix consulting um, a bit longer to help. And I had, I think I can recall, I had one one month where I just had some astronomical sales that was fantastic <laughs> that helped fund that. Um, and I also had it in my head too that I wasn't going to take away um, any of our family funds to help fund this trip. I because I was going on my own and it was something I wanted to do for myself. Um, and I picked up an extra day of, of work, um, little things like that, that helped help do it. And I just plugged away over that time. Um, and it was, yeah, it was amazing, an amazing experience. What was the highlight of that trip for you, knowing how much effort you'd put in to get there? What was the most special part about it for you? Oh, gosh. So much of it was very, very special. Um, it was um, the connections with with everyone that was there, um, the beautiful scenery, um, the lavender fields, the, um, the the work that we did too in those in those few days, um, the personal growth in that time. There was just it just had a bit of everything, and the amazing food um, that was just amazing. I just rec- can recall that special. Um, special lunch that we had at the Michelin restaurant um, and just the joy in everyone's eyes um, and the food, um, the joy it brought to us all was just amazing and the beautiful company. So special and particularly none of us knowing what was to happen six months later. I know, I know. You know, every time I see the photos come up and the images because I was I was meant to be taking another group back this year in 2021. So 
you know, that's been put on hold. And, and I keep visualizing that one day, not only will we get to France and Spain, but also Turkey for the rose extraction. I, that is still on my big vision board. And I promise every single person who's in, in my sphere is, is that we will go. And so my thing is, is that rather than wait for the opportunity, prepare for the opportunity, know that it will come. And so in my humble opinion, anyone that's interested in doing something like this, um, I reckon you should have a little fund. And if we started focusing on what we wanted rather than what we didn't want, I do believe that that can change our energy. Would you agree, sweetheart? Absolutely. Well, I've got a little fund that's called the self-love account. And, um, Every, every, every pay, I put a little bit of something in there and that's to, um, to do anything like, you know, if something comes up, I've got the funds there. Um, if something lights me up or a, it's a course or something like going to Turkey, I, I am prepared. <laughs> to be- it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I heard many years ago someone said to me, it's not that you're lucky. Luck is when you have opportunity meeting preparation. Mm-hmm. That's what luck is. And so if there's one thing for us to get out of today's message is definitely you are a true example of preparing and finding and waiting for the opportunity and then being so called lucky. So, so many people thought we were all so lucky to be going to France, but we'd all worked so hard to get there, right? Absolutely. And I, yeah, and absolutely the photo shoot that we had there, that was an, also another amazing experience um, in Paris. That was, yeah, that was something that um, I never thought I'd get to experience. And yeah, I look at those photos um, quite frequently with re- really fond memories. Well, that photo shoot, Lisa, I was just going to ask you about that because one of the biggest things that I did for myself in 2017 is I had a day to myself and I ended up booking in with a beautiful photographer called Becky Rui over in the UK. And she does like beautiful um, images for people, or it could be branding or whatever. It could be just for self-love. And and again, I put it out to the group that we took a day in Paris with beautiful Becky. There was a certain number of spots available. Do you agree with me that the beginning of that day compared to the end of that day, watching all of us women uh, go through that process. What did you notice most about the women in there? Because they weren't all women that felt comfortable about being photographed, were they? Absolutely. And yeah, I could I could definitely see um, there was a, a lot more confidence um, as the day progressed um, and feeling really, um, I, it's almost like seeing a bit of self-love. Like there was, a, you know, a bit of self-doubt at the start and at the end you saw that there, everyone was oozing with self-love and confidence um, and, yeah, feeling more comfortable with themselves and, um, yeah, and lightening up and laughing and, and being happy to be photographed. I know, it was so precious. And then meeting all the partners that were there at the end and just the giggles and the laughs and the other beauty because we had our hair and makeup done. It was a really beautiful event and it's something that I would recommend. You know, our photographers in this country have really taken a hit in all countries. You know, photography has been one of those things that may have been seen as a luxury item and it's certainly not seen as something to go out and do photos if you don't have a business or a need for it. But uh, would you agree with me that it's something that if you could spend the time and money on even a half day, a couple of hours, just going and getting some family photos taken or getting some beautiful images in a place that you love, it's the memories, isn't it? It's looking Absolutely. back on those yes. that just, and what does that do for you when you look at the France photos, us in Paris, you individually and us as a group, what does that do for you? It just, um, it just lights my, it just lights my heart and my soul because it just takes me back. and. Um, and also, yeah, it's just a happy time um, and it just evokes, you know, a beautiful memory. It was such an amazing time and I think it was something that will always fill my heart watching everybody go through that as well. And it's definitely on the agenda for when we go back, when we ever get back onto that beautiful pathway, which I'm sure will happen one day. I know that you have done a number of different courses and I know that you have certainly studied with me a lot of the time. You mentioned being up in Mulaney when we did the Elevation Retreat and there was a moment in there where we wrote, do you remember that day where I got out those figurines and we all wrote all the things that we say awful to ourselves or the way we talk about ourselves? 
Do you remember that process and then everyone sticking those up on the wall and going around? Do you remember that? I do, yes. I do remember that process. And do you remember as you read other women's, um, I guess, negative comments or not so nice things that they thought about themselves or had said about themselves or doubted in themselves, how did that make you feel? Yeah, it was, if that was an interesting process because when you read everybody else's, you felt, um, one, you sort of felt like, oh, you didn't feel like you were on your own with some of those thoughts. But the other, um, the other thoughts were it was just heartbreaking to think that people were thinking about themselves in that way. What do you think was the way that you saw a transition or change in those women? What happened? What was the process that you went through yourself and how did that work as a group? Yeah, that was, um, that was a lovely, lovely experience being in that, in that, um, in that setting um, and being away from the everyday normal life to be able to, to give yourself that time to really um, think about things for yourself um it was um it was a a way to really um connect um as well with with other people that were on the same page um that wanting uh, that are also wanting to grow and develop and um during that particular time we did you know so many different things there was um remember we did the cooking class we, we did the ritual um, where we burnt those figurines in the fire um, and there was definitely a lightness that happened after that um, within the group. We, um, we did, you know, we went walking, we did, you know, some, um, you know, we made our perfume blends, we did so many things. But for me personally, that particular trip, I can recall doing a meditation and, I was a little bit stagnant at that time as to how I was going to go forward um, with what I was, with my career and what I was going to do. And um, I can recall during that that particular meditation, I I had a revelation that I, um, I needed to accept myself for who I was and that my purpose was to to be a server, um, that I didn't have to be a leader that I didn't have to be the next you or Kim, you know, Kim Morrison or the, the, the next person, the next best teacher that um, my, my role and my purpose in this life was to, um, it was to be the server, to be the helper of these people that, that need someone by their side to, to help them do what they do best. And you certainly do it more well than anyone I know and you do it selflessly and tirelessly and always with a big grin on your face and you know I think it would be fair to say that one of our other key uh, tools in our repertoire is laughter and and we've had some fun Um, I only think back to being down in Tasmania surprising the beautiful Robbie Zek when we were down there and then it backfired on me you were the surprise as well and and seeing each other look honestly the laughs that we've had over the years just you know it's those events those special moments making the effort to do them isn't it absolutely and I think um Oh, you know, I, I guess that's why I, I do miss the events, um, the live events and things like that, because I, I know the impact and, and the um, the way people can walk out feeling so amazing and so connected and the laughter. Um, so I look forward to that, being, yeah. you know, to that happening again. But also, yeah, I've been part of some Zoom Zoom um, courses where you can still you can still walk away with some similar similar feelings. Yeah, it's a new way at the moment. Thank God we've had it. I remember listening to an American guy speaking about six months ago and he just said, wow, you know, rather than thinking about how bad this is, you're going to, what a great time to have COVID. What a great time. And I'm sitting there going, what? And he goes, I mean, imagine if it was 1999, there was no Netflix, there was no Zoom. How on earth would we have connected back then with COVID? And I was like, oh my God, there's another reframe, another way to look at this in such a powerful way that we can actually see the good in all. And that is definitely something that you gift probably unknowingly to so many people in your world. How does chiropractic fit into your life and what's the impact you think you have in that beautiful clinic there in Kyabram? 
Uh, yes, that's, um, I've always had um, chiropractic in my life and I was absolutely thrilled when um, when Mark um, decided to open up a, a clinic in, in Kyabram. So he's got a clinic in Echuca um, and he saw a need that there was a service that needed to be in Kyabram and he wanted me um, to be to be the face of that and it's been an you know it's been just supposed to been three years now um and I love I love going to work I love connecting with with the clients and with the chiropractors and um we also do massage and we have psychology in there as well um and I'm lucky that I I have the 28 essential oils in the clinic as well um and I guess it was when I started working there I, I had the platform to be able to um to grow the, the type of type of events that I was doing and and eight um, and the team there have been a real a real support for that too. Yeah, that's a beautiful clinic, and I just want to shout out to them all and just say thank you to Mark and the team for for being the extraordinary souls that they are for leading with love, I would say, and leading with heart. But also, what I love most about the chiropractic philosophy, it seems, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to be about people raising people, people championing people, people allowing others to shine. Is that your experience? Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Um, and, and, I, and I love the model that um, the name of, um, it's called N8, which is the little N and the number eight. Um, but um, the meaning behind that is, you know, our body has an innate intelligence um, and, yeah, and to have a more of vitalism approach to, to our health. Yeah, well, that's certainly the comparison, I guess, is what Cindy O'Meara talks a lot about, which is vitalism as opposed to mechanism and actually looking at the holistic approach to life and living and all of those things. I I know we're coming to the end, but, you know, with all the things you've talked about and all of the different things that you've learned for yourself, I'm curious what your definition of self-love is. Yeah, to me, I guess self-love is, um, is, it, it is accepting yourself but also um, warts and all, but giving yourself the permission to change the things that you might not like um, without guilt, you know, to, to, to do that course or to do um, or, you know, go away and to that retreat and doing things for yourself so that you can grow and evolve and thrive. Um, and I think it's also um, treating yourself like how you would treat your loved one or, or your best friend. Mm, that's so true. One thing we haven't touched on yet is your amazing experience in doing the Big Red Desert Ultra Marathon. You were not a runner. You said it at the beginning. You hadn't run. You started running, uh, sorry, walking and then walking, running and then running. How on earth did you get to the point where you were doing an ultra marathon? And what was your drive? What was the intent? How did you manage that? Yes, that was um, an amazing um, experience. Um, both physically, mentally, and spiritually, I must admit. So, yes, it was at a Thermomix um, consulting um, party that I was at where a, a group of ladies were talking about doing this run and said if I would be interested. Um, and for some, you know, they, they said it would be camping <laughs> for that time. There won't be any showers. There would be um, no cooking facilities. You had to do it all yourself um, and you had to get yourself to Birdsville. And it was running um, 250 kilometres over six days. And something in my head just said, yes, I really want to do this. Um, And I think it was some of the work that I had done and and your running stories as well, that it was, you know, 90% mental and 10% physical. And I just went, yep, this is what I'm going to do. So we had to do some fundraising for diabetes um, was the other thing we had to do. So it was a real um, it was a real journey, the whole training together. Um, and, you know, we, we all come from different walks of life. Um, some of the ladies I had never met before and, and now we're, we're, we're bonded together. But it was an amazing experience. Um, one particular day was an 85-kilometre day and I really learnt the power of the mind on that particular day and that... Um, Yes, it's it's the mind that can hold you back physically at times. So um, I, I powered through that. Um, but it was an amazing experience and I learned a lot about myself in that time, about how, um, how tough I am and, and not to doubt myself um, and that, you know, there's 
we can do more than than what our body our, I think yeah our mind gets in the way of our body at times so um yeah definitely definitely an amazing experience yeah it just it's incredible and I've always felt that if you push yourself physically in some way it is definitely an opening, one of the openings and pathways to your heart, mind and soul. And I really do believe that any endurance thing, but you and I both know that it's a marathon being a mum, it's a marathon being married, it's a marathon yeah. doing business, it's a marathon doing courses. Everything is actually an ultra marathon in some way, shape or another. And I just believe having done a number physically, and I know you'd agree with me that it does help you to realise that the power of your mind is what gets you through and that you are capable of way more than you think. And sometimes it's not till we're pushed that we actually understand that. Absolutely. Some things that I've noticed with you um, and what I've noticed the thread today in our conversation is that in everything you've talked about, no matter what challenges come up, you've always talked about getting back on back in the game, taking action, participating, putting yourself out there. So many people, when we take knocks or get whacked or feel like we can't breathe or we're going through emotional times, it's almost like we've got no energy and no desire, no heart, no will to keep going. And yet what I'm hearing from you is that is the key, that is the secret to getting through those tough times. It's not to say that they won't stop or that they're ever not going to be there or that they won't ever not affect you again. But is that your philosophy to living, to stay on the track, so to speak, to keep participating, to keep putting yourself out there? How do you do that when you don't feel like doing it? Yeah, I, I definitely think if, if you don't participate, you don't grow. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I guess it's just staying in the work. I, I guess I'm it's just consistency um and I, I i see the benefit and i honestly think too that you know that every tuesday night when we catch up it just gives me that that one hour a week just gives me that time to myself to you know evaluate what's going on um and it gives me that boost of inspiration and that that support and connection that we get, I think that just um, that drives me to to keep to keep going and, and just continuing to um, to build on that toolkit that you need um, to help with to help with the tough times. I really um, it kind of made me choke a little bit there because sometimes <laughs> sometimes you don't know what you're doing really. You know, I don't know the impact of the work that I do sometimes, but. There was no accident that I created this program and launched it the month before COVID hit. And I'm still blown away. It was only going to be a 12-month program. And, and I guess, you know, I'm not very good at, at plugging what I do or anything like that. I, I know that I keep getting told I should post more, do more stories on it and all that sort of thing. But maybe now, rather than me trying to say something about it, maybe you could explain really a little bit more in detail as to what the self-love and wellness mentorship program is about. And I just want to thank you because I hadn't prepared for this for you. So <laughs> I just think it would be a really nice opportunity because connection is something that is so important to me and for this group. Oh yeah. No, it's um it's my favorite night of the week. Every Tuesday night there's a group of us that get together via Zoom and each week um, Kim has a different theme. Um, one week it will be a Q&A session where we have an opportunity to ask, you know, questions and there might be an expert that will um, that Kim will pop in as a, um, as a guest or it could be to her directly. There will be a week where there's a love seat where there will be a, um, a group, um, sorry, a, um, a guest speaker and she has some amazing guest speakers on there. And it, it sometimes feels like, you, you you just know which is the right teacher that we need at that particular time. We also have a um, a masterclass each um, one one week of the month where we learn something new, and then we also have a um, champion, champion challenge as um, week as well. And we often have a um, a challenge that we do for each month, um, which you know I really enjoy. And like the current one that we're doing at the moment is. Um, is doing a workout of the day um, and also another another thing which I've decided to do, which is play more. So um, 
the kids are loving that at the moment because I'm a little bit more playful at the minute. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so so beautiful to hear you say these Mm -hmm. things because, you know, as I watch each of you in the group, we have approximately 90 to 100 women in there at the moment. And my my vision really is to get a thousand of us in there because I know the ripple effect, even you just saying that, you know, being more playful and the kids are loving that. It's not just the the woman in the group, it's the ripple effect that has in the families and the community and your sisters in there. And I just, uh, yeah, it, it really does warm my heart to think, and I love it. I can't wait for each Tuesday night. And I never thought that I would create something that I had to show up every weekend, but I know for me, it keeps me in the work and it also keeps me inspired to support women at all different levels. And that community, that real sense. We've got women from a, the UK, Ireland, Holland, Australia, New Zealand. Like it's it's quite incredible, the group, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah. And, you know, you, you, there's so much support um, and just that connection and just feeling like you're part of a group of like-minded people. And, you know, we are all different, but yet um, we, we're all on this journey of, you know, wanting to to be their best versions of ourselves and and this is an amazing platform to do that i'm so grateful to you saying that and i hope people realize it's it's you know not not everybody can afford programs and can afford you know going to therapy or having breakthrough sessions and things like that so this is really valued at um $49 a month or 470 for a whole year and that's every tuesday night for one hour and I really sincerely hope that it's really good value. And oh, it's amazing value. It's too cheap, Kim. It's, <laughs> it's Everyone's going, shh, shh, don't, don't put it up. But, you know, because I do do one-on-one coaching and because I do have other programs, I wanted to make this my contribution to the community in the same way that you do. And I really did want to create an event that, was an opportunity for me to teach what I've learned as well and and to inspire and delight everyone with the incredible guests and teachers that we have in there. I'm absolutely blown away by the content and the 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 caliber of speakers. And you know, I know it's only one hour, but we had a QA the other night with the beautiful Cindy O'Meara and they're answering all questions around COVID, the vaccine, the disease as opposed to the virus. And you know, there was no attitude or judgment. It was just here's some information. Um, here's how to use this, here's how to look after yourself, here's how to stay positive. And I think that's what I love about it. There is no judgment, is there? Absolutely. And I also love that you've got the platform that everything's recorded. Um, so if I, you know, if there's an issue that comes by um, for me at a certain time, I can go back and say, oh, we did a class on that and I can go back and, and rewatch it. And um, yeah, it's an amazing, an amazing platform. Thank you, sweetheart. I really, really value that and love having you in there. I love seeing your face each week. And, and you know, we've all become amazing friends and I just, yeah, it's a privilege to lead it. I can tell you that. Just to finish up, what would be some of your daily self-care rituals that you do as a busy mom, a working woman, a wife? What are some of the rituals that you do for yourself? Yeah, for me, um, uh, my morning is all about me. So <laughs> I love to get up and um, movement is is. The, the way I like to start the day, but I, I'll, I'll wake up and I always have an oil. Um, I rub that in between my hands and take a few deep breaths um, and I'll usually head off for a walk or to the gym or to Pilates. Um, so that's certainly something that um, is the best way for me to start the day before I before I come home and become a mum and, and get ready for the school day. I do my body, my body boost every day as well um, and set an intention that way diffusing um at work i'm lucky i've got the oils at work too so i get to diffuse that each day um and my spritzes as well um and often i i do try and do a a bit of a pattern interrupt occasionally with the spritzer so when i leave work i'll do a bit of a spritz um when i'm in the car to get ready to go back into the house i'll do a little spritz um so yeah they're probably my main my main rituals um that i like to do and I love to cook as well, obviously. So when I have some some time, I do love to get into the kitchen and bake and find that quite therapeutic. Yeah. And I also know you're an incredible podcast listener. Yes. You listen to a lot of podcasts and then share those amazing podcasts in our groups. And 
And I really appreciate that because there is just so many podcasts to listen to now. Um, and you were one of our very early listeners about for a chat, you know, eight years ago, nine years ago. And um, I love the way you share and listen to other podcasts. When is the time that you get to listen to podcasts? I generally do that when I go out walking. I love to do that. Um, and also if I'm in the kitchen when I'm baking, sometimes I'll listen or in the car. Um, yeah, or just, yeah, just when I'm doing a bit of housework, just having something like that. It, it makes certainly makes the time go quick. You don't even notice you're cleaning. I bet, I bet. <laughs> well, you beautiful soul, what a treat to interview you. What an honour to have you on the Self Love Podcast. If we could finish up, my love, with your favourite quote, what would that be? Yes, it'd have to be this one. It, it always um, comes to me whenever I think of a quote, and it's one that you shared um, very early with um, in the piece when I started to follow you, and it's, if there is light in the soul, there will be beauty in the person. If there is beauty in the person, there will be harmony in the house. If there is harmony in the house, there will be order in the nation. If there is order in the nation there will be peace in the world. Such a beautiful, amazing quote. Mm. Gives me goosebumps every time I hear it and reminds me that it always comes back to us, right? Mm -hmm. We're the ones that can light our light and therefore have that continual ripple effect. I can honestly say, sweetheart, that you are a beautiful ripple in my world and also everyone who you come in contact with. I want to thank you for your friendship and also your support and your love and the way you champion me and my work is it's something that I, I do not take for granted and I just want to say with hand on heart, thank you, my beautiful friend. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being um, a big part of our family and um, giving me lots of tools to help me through all the tough times. You're a beautiful soul. Thank you for being on the Self Love Podcast, Gorgeous Liz. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.